these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls. Well, the, the YouTube audience can see this. This is how bad things have gotten for the Timberwolves. They, they've lost two games in a row. It's the longest losing streak since March or April. March. March 31st, 2023. Yeah, not counting the playoffs, of course. And things have gotten so bad that Kyle killed his mustache in, in cold blood last night. Just yeah, killed was, your mustache. We were talking off, offline a little bit. Uh, it was late last night. I just sent you a photo. And it's just my sink filled with a bunch of hair clippings and my razor. There was no context behind it. And thankfully, we are friends. And you probably assumed what it was. Uh, otherwise, that would have maybe been an HR violation. But uh, no more mustache. Uh, two in a row. The ship is sinking a little bit. I think the vibes are off. There's real issues with with this team. I recorded. I was up bright and early. There it is. Yeah, just a photo of my sink with a lot of nasty hair. By the way, I got this, and you know, you're on the West Coast. I used to be on the West Coast, but we there's a two hour time difference, and I was I was sleeping. This was eleven o'clock Central Time, and so I saw this in the middle of the night for the first time, and I was like. <laughs> You know how you wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes you check your phone, maybe go to the bathroom, whatever. And I, I remember seeing it and I was like sort of delirious and didn't really realize. And then I woke up for the morning at six o'clock and uh, I was like, oh, okay, that's what that's right. He's shaving his uh, his wolves mustache. Okay. But I was at like three in the morning. I was like, what's what is Kyle sending me? Did he mean, mean to send this to his wife? What's happening right now? Yeah. Is it <laughs> Phil or Abby? Uh, no. So. It's over. I haven't shaved since November, but uh, the Wolves have been in first place since around that time. November 18th, I believe, believe is the date. So 40-some days in a row. Uh, two losses now in a row. They have not won uh, in this calendar year. And there's some things. I mean, Ant said it last night. We suck. I don't know if they suck. I know Tuesday might have been a little bit of a vent session on this show, but uh, there are some things that are broken. Again, I, I, did, a, I did like a 6 a.m. pod today with Dane, but... They're in this last 12-game stretch. We've talked about the storm, whatever. Uh, they are dead last in turnovers. They're dead last in turnover percentage. They're dead last in the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, the ball's not moving. They're turning it over way too much. And it's weird. They're 28th in that 12-game. This is just a bunch of stat point right at the top. But they're 28th in three-pointers attempted. But they're fourth in makes, like percentage made. So their offense is a little weird. I don't... I look at the numbers, I'm like, I think you can fix it with a couple tweaks. But then, too, I don't know if you heard last night when Jim and Grady were on the call, but they kind of described this team as exhausted. And that makes sense as well because they're in this 16-game stretch. But it's kind of concerning that they're exhausted. And not that that's a concern because a lot of teams are grinding now through January, but you can alleviate that by using some of your depth, some of these guys you brought in, like Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. and stuff, and – uh so far, that hasn't been the case. So, am I concerned? No, they're twenty-four and nine, and again, they're still atop the Western Conference, and everyone ebbs and flows. But last night they got punked again, and physicality is becoming the Achilles heel of this team. You saw it against the Knicks, you saw it against the Pelicans. So that's all the numbers I have. Now let's just have fun and talk about facial hair. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, we'll rank our top ten new styles of facial hair that Kyle is going to attempt to grow for the, the next <laughs> stretch here. But yeah, I think I'm. On one hand, the last few games, even the wins, like the late, the the second Lakers game and the the game against Dallas where Ant shot like twenty free throws, 
you know, even the way that they've been winning some of these mm-hmm. games, and Chris Finch has been on this for a couple weeks, they are not playing even in the wins the same way they did like three weeks ago or a month ago. And so I'm trying to balance. It's a six-month, 82-game season, and they are still, even in this lull, they are still in first place. Oklahoma City is charging down the backstretch, by the way. They just beat Boston. That's a that's a legitimate team. So, like, they're still in first place. But on the other hand, they're playing the worst they've played all season. But then back on the other hand, 30-plus years of Wolves basketball, and we're sitting here, like, gnashing our teeth and wringing our hands over back-to-back losses for the first time since March. So, you know, I, 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 do, I do think the same thing I said on Tuesday, which is big picture-wise, deep breath, everyone mm-hmm. calm down. They're going to go through a stretch like this. It was inevitable that they were going to hit a tough sp- spot on the schedule. Like, they, they weren't just going to go and win 65 games. We already knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, however, they're playing like an eight-man rotation right now. And yeah. And they need, and they're doing it in December. I could see, hey, all right, it's playoff time, and uh, we're not going to play everyone like we did in the regular season. We need to pare this thing down to eight. I mean, they are desperately searching for a ninth and a tenth player that can come in and give you any sort of spark. So, you know, does that get addressed at the trade deadline? Are there some internal options that just need to step up? A Shake Milton? Is it Josh Minot time at some point? Like, I don't know. I'm just sort of desperately throwing out names here, but. But, but you're desperately throwing out names, and I think that should be the strategy. Like, that's actually, like, if you want to talk about what are you concerned about the most, I, I think I said on Tuesday, if they get pummeled by the Pelicans, I'll be concerned. Well, they got pummeled by the Pelicans, but I ironically watched the team panic alarm kind of move the ball a little more and stuff. <laughs> so I know I'm probably speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but my thing just comes back to what is we no one, no one, I don't care how all in, whatever, no one had this team coming off to this sort of start 33 games through the season because they had never done it so that's fine that we didn't see this coming but what is the goal like what is the 82 game goal is it to win the west in the regular season because to me i don't know what value that brings other than yes home court throughout but i would rather them tinker and experiment and give guys a shot and rest some guys and do all the funky stuff that a lot of other contending teams in the league do and not focus so much on you know They'll fall out of first place at some point in the West. I would bank money on it. And it's not like, is that a concern to me? No, it's it's if they fall out of the top four. Like, this team is really good at home. I think they're 14-2 and two now with loss, mm-hmm. last night's loss. But this team has a real competitive advantage. The fans, again, are the smartest, I think, most passionate. They've been through the mud the most. So when you come to Target Center, it's a grind to play. And that should be the goal. But... I don't know. They built up this league. They got ahead of the race. You know, they they see the competition in the rearview mirror, but they should really... Jordan McLaughlin was like the first kind of option. Troy Brown Jr. got some run, but that was when Jaden was out. At full strength, Jordan McLaughlin's like the ninth guy now, but I'm with you. I just, you know, Mike Conley has been playing out of his mind for his age, but he can't do it for 82 games. And I know he tells Finch, like, I'm feeling the best and stuff. This is that culture thing you and I go back and forth on, like, the Heat have Heat culture, and they still rest guys. <laughs> like, Jimmy yeah. Butler didn't play last night, and they beat the Lakers. So I just think they should find creative ways. Maybe it's not the young, young guys, but Troy Brown Jr., I think, should be back in the rotation because they need shooting. I think Shake Milton, as bad as it was, should get another chance because you just got to take some of the pressure off Carl and Ant, uh, and then maybe that'll trickle down throughout everyone in the roster. So you're kind of saying it sounds like 
giving up that number one seed would would almost be like a, an exhale, right? Yeah, it, I, it's, true. I do think that because expectations so, okay. are not something this team has ever managed well, and I don't know what the value is because five through eight in the West are all going to be. It could, you know, the eight seed could be just as good as the five seed. So you just want to have home court, but I don't think they can handle the pressure right now of having to stay up top one. Second in the West would be really good. You know what? And maybe the quicker it happens. So right, right now they're. I think I agree with you. I don't. I don't. It would be great and fun if the Wolves could stay as the number one seed. But I think we would all agree they're not the best team in the Western Conference if you start to look out long term. I mean, even if you just look at some of the like, look at net point differential, Mm -hmm. for instance, Oklahoma City has a net point differential of three points better than the next closest team, which is sort Mm -hmm. of the Nuggets and Timberwolves and even the Clippers are a plus five. So it's Clippers, Wolves, Nuggets are a net plus five per game. Thunder are a plus eight. The the Thunder, even with the eye test, just they just look like they are. They, I, I think the Thunder are better than the Timberwolves, even though they're one game back in the standings right now. Mm-hmm. They're deep, they're deeper. Shea Gildas Alexander, I think, would be if you ranked every player on both teams, Anthony Edwards, and we're going to have an Anthony Edwards conversation on this show too. Um, I think Shea Gildas Alexander would be the best player on both teams. Denver too. I don't care about their record as much. Like they're only a game back of the Wolves, but I don't think anyone would say right now, yep, the Timberwolves are better than the Denver Nuggets if you start to map out like two or three months. So. You know, if you can kind of just get away from clinging to the number one seed in the Western Conference, it was a fun 45-day stretch. But to your point, you have to tinker with some other guys. Like, you can't you can't just run the gas tank to empty with an eight-man rotation just to try and cling to, like, grinding out every single win. So, But you want to win games, too. So I get it. You can't just put Josh Minot in. We're going to put him in for 18 minutes tonight, and it's going to be a train wreck. But we're going to all learn something in the process. So there is like a gray area here where they have to experiment more. They might have to make a trade in the next five weeks. Mm-hmm. The trade deadline is five weeks from today. Um, but I'm with you. The goal at this point should not be cling to the number one seed uh, at all costs. It should be get a top four seed in, in three months from now when the playoffs start. And when they were humming... Again, even this, during this 12-game stretch, they're fourth in defensive rating. They're like, I don't know, 19th in offensive rating. So it has become clear even during that really hot stretch of November that their offense was just getting overshadowed by their defense, and they were just winning because they were the first, you know, their best in the league in defense. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, Tuesday, do I have regret? We were got a little spicy. Uh, I think we were all a little frustrated. We're all still kind of coming off of... The second day of dry January is the toughest, I think. Are We're you now doing on day dry four. January? I am, yeah, and it's getting a little easier. There are days where I just stare at the wine bottle, but uh, <laughs> no, I just, when the Wolves were really good and atop the West and doing all these things, some of the critics and on Dark Wolves Twitter were like, do it in the playoffs. So if you hear me say being first in the West doesn't really matter, well, that's because I'm trying to say, like, the playoffs matter. Not, the regular season doesn't matter. So if you're, you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth, too. Like, if you don't, care what this team does or the historic nature of this start and you want to see it in april i'm kind of with you then like i don't really care if they go lose four more games in a row but they find that you know what like we talked about this today dana and i this team needs a backup point guard they need like a a movement shooter someone they can move around run off screens and they need just like an offensive bucket getter they don't have a lot of guys again that can dribble they might have one of those on the team that might be jordan mclaughlin that might be shake milton with a fresh start that might be troy brown jr so I'm not concerned about the wins and losses right now. If you can, I mean, I think 500 basketball, Phil, gets them to like 48 wins, right? So 
yeah. they're probably going to just fall backwards into winning 50 games, which if you would have said that in September, you would have celebrated. Uh, but I want to see them figure out some stuff now during these next six, eight weeks that'll translate to April. I don't want to see them grind out Mike Conley for 34 minutes on January 10th so they can get an extra win. I want him to be healthy come yeah. April. What What is the new... We, we had this discussion. I can't remember if it was... I think it was on the scoop uh, Mackie and Judd podcast with Doogie today. And, and we were trying to figure out sort of, okay, what they came out of the gate, just red hot. And, and the, it's been the, the most fun two months of wolves basketball since 2003, 2004 playoff run. It's been amazing. But now that, okay, now that they're sort of coming back to earth a little bit, what should the bar be in a few months from now? Like what is not that this really matters, but just in terms of our own expectations, like, if the Wolves accomplish this, it will be considered a success versus if they come short of this, we're all going to feel a little bit like, oh, man, they, you know, they left something on the table this year. I don't think it's championship. You know, they came out of the gate, best record, everything. I wouldn't say that it's for this franchise championship or bust. Where would you draw that line for yourself? Where at the end of the year, it's summertime and Kyle cocktail Kyle is out uh, in Vegas for the summer league. And he's uh, he's hanging out with Anthony Edwards crew at the blackjack tables. And you're all reminiscing about that was a successful season because you did blank Timberwolves. Well, to, to answer your question with another question, what were your expectations in September and October? Because win a, pl- win a playoff series. Right. And that's what mine would be, too. And that's why I say the most important thing for 82 regular season games is to finish in the top four in the West. Doesn't matter what that is in a league ranking. Doesn't matter if you're the fifth best team, the eighth best team, whatever. Top four team, guaranteed an extra home game in any playoff series at Target Center, a place that it's no longer a small sample size. That place is a dungeon for opponents to come into. The fans are, it's sold out every night. They're opening up more seats. So finish with a top four seed in the first 82 games and then win a playoff series. That to me is anything else for me, not everyone, for me, that is kind of gravy because it shows then that this kind of works, right? And again, I'm probably a little too online in some of these situations, but I, I just get this sense, and this kind of was what I was thinking on Tuesday, is that if, if the way you watch this team is every time they win, you mu- or every time they win, you multiply it by 0.5, and you give, well, you know, they played this team without that star, they played this team without that star. No one ever does that for the Nuggets beating the Wolves in five without Jaden and Nas. They just say the Nuggets handled the Wolves. They never talk about the injury report. And then if you handle every Wolves loss by a 2x multiplier – you're just going to lose. Your equation will always lose. You'll always be negative. So every loss will be worth two and every win will be worth 0.5. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, And this team now has built up some trust. I understand the Charlie Brown football stuff, but they do have issues, but a lot of teams do. And I think the answer to those issues could be internal, which is, you know, part of the pressure of the Gobert trade. You don't just get to run around the other 29 teams and be like, well, we have Kyle Anderson's contract. We have this and we have these firsts. You don't because you built this. You kind of dug this grave and you need to see if the guys internally work. And then if you're not going to play Shake Milton, who makes $5 million a year in the next month, and you're not going to, and Kyle Anderson's going to kind of keep doing what he's doing at $10 million a year, then you have to trade them because you have to, this team is 100%. We've learned this over the last 12 games, Phil. They are a player short. You can determine if that a wing a big guy, probably not, or a guard. They are one player short, and they need to solve that riddle, whether it be internal or external. The Kyle, the, the Kyle thing is really interesting, man, because 
It's it's the number one topic for me. Do, Doogie speculated on this, and I so he had the eye injury uh, at the end of last season, and it was like that was a big thing for him in the off season. And is that affecting his? Has he talked about this? Like, is is that affecting his ability to shoot from long range? I mean, because if you look, his attempts are way down, and he's never been a dead eye three point shooter. And and as Chris Finch and Kyle Anderson have both said, he wasn't brought here to sit and snipe threes. He was brought here as a basketball player, mm-hmm. an organizer, a defender. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife, a Swiss Army knife who can also knock down you know thirty four to. 38% three-pointers. He's 12%. His mm-hmm. attempts are down, and he's he's 12% make rate on threes this year. And you see him passing up. There was a rotation a couple games ago where, you know, bing, bang, boom, Jade McDaniels passed up a semi-open look because Kyle Anderson was wide open in the other corner, nobody within 10 feet of him, and he doesn't even think about shooting it. He just dribbles in and, you know, and moves the ball again. So is... Is, is this just the new Kyle Anderson, I guess? Uh, yeah, the, the vision thing. I think people have tried to like kind of not even speculate. Like, I remember someone asked him about it at Media Day. Obviously, he started wearing goggles during yeah. the international competition when he was playing for China. Uh, he started wearing them this season, and then he kind of would take them off mid-game, and now he just doesn't wear them. So I don't know. I know that that injury, and I think Doogie was on this originally, like, that injury was way worse than people thought. I think his he had some real scary moments with that eye. Uh, but I don't know if that's the case. And also there are, there's a pocket of me. Like, I don't want anyone to take away from this, that Kyle Anderson is what is sinking this offense. Yeah. He is just in terms of like Jenga, he is the easiest piece to remove that doesn't disrupt the tower because he is on an expiring deal in order to make a good trade. You sometimes need to trade away a player that is valuable. Kyle is a good basketball player, but also has a large contract because then you can go Go look at the list of guys making $4 million a year. There's not a lot of sexy ones, but $10 million a year. You can use that in a, you, in a trade to get a $15 million. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I know that some people would rather trade Carl and stuff. It's like, I, I understand that. It's just that is a much more difficult Jenga piece to pull out that could disrupt the tower and have it crater. I don't think Kyle is one of those. So, And it's not just him. Last night against the Pelicans was the, the game you're talking about was the Knicks. Jaden swung it to Kyle in the corner, and he immediately got the ball and dribbled. And that's yeah. like YBL 101. It's like take the open shot. But last night, every single player on that team that played a rotation minute, other than Rudy, because he doesn't shoot threes, got an opportunity to take a three and just pump faked and dribbled into the traffic. And that's just the spacing is so bad right now. And it goes back to the fact that there's only two teams in the league that take less threes right now than the Wolves. And that's crazy because there's only three teams that make a better percentage of their threes in the wolves. So those, that math doesn't add up. That's why there's skeptics. And it does fall on someone that you and I really like. It falls on Finch to, this is what you got to do. Like if I can see the numbers and put them in Microsoft word, I know you can see the numbers. So, well, let me float this. All right. It is a reckless speculation Thursday here reckless speculation across the score North network of podcasts. And I keep alluding to the scoop session with Doogie because we, we did do some speculating on that podcast, but he floated the name, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, who's the other Bogdanovich. You've got the Hawks Bogdanovich, who's mm-hmm. 31, and then this is the Bogdanovich who played two or three years with Rudy and Conley in Utah. Mm-hmm. Now he's just scoring 20 points a game on this three-win Detroit team. So he, he, we were talking about, God, this, this, this team's one player short, like you're saying. 
they they just need someone who can create some more offense and someone who can shoot some threes and you know is is there anyone out there that just kind of screams at you available in the next few weeks before the trade deadline and duke said bogdanovich in detroit and if you start to look through well first of all i would say this if you're looking for the exact polar opposite type of player than Kyle Anderson, a guy who plays no defense at all whatsoever, uh, bad on the perimeter, but absolute sniper from three-point range, will score you 18 to 20 points, that's a swap that you could make. Uh, I did pull up the trade machine, and uh, Bogdanovich, he's under contract for this year and next year at $20 million this year, $19 million next year. Like I said, scoring 20 points a game, 40% from three for a bad Pistons team. He's He's likely available he's he doesn't fit the age curve of what they're doing it'd have to be like a kyle anderson plus a shake milton type thing Mm -hmm. to make the contracts work because you got to get to at least like 15 or 16 million to match the 20 million to pull that trade off but my general question to you is if you were to swap let's say kyle anderson and another piece maybe you have to include shake milton's contract for an offensive centric player that helps you solve the who's the third scorer question but it drastically takes away from your defense, which is the core reason why this team is still number one in the Western Conference. Is that a philosophical swap you would be willing to make? 100%. Because I just, even during this 12-game stretch, when you think the defense has cratered, it's only fallen to fourth. And everyone, including the head coach, is pretty on board. I think we all agree. I agree. You agree. The team is not playing well. But their defense is even when they're not playing well, has only slipped a couple, you know, points or whatever, a couple rankings in, in the hierarchy of the NBA. But it's the offense that, like, when they were at their best, I think they were first in defense and 11th in offense. And anytime you're top 10 in both, you're pretty much like a bona fide contender. Mm-hmm. But the defense has slipped just a little, and it's still a pretty good defense. Their four worst defensive performances have all come in losses. It's the Thunder game, the Hawks game, the... Suns game that was kind of a weird back-to-back post Draymond fight and then last night last night was like one of their worst defensive performances but I just have always thought when you watch this team that they need more offense and again Kyle Anderson is great he's the best free agent signing of all time for this franchise and he does a lot of great stuff but at some point you're going to have to navigate the idea of we got to give up something to get something I don't think Bogdanovich from the Pistons is real because I thought I mean I remember last year like they turned down two first round picks for him or that was their asking price the mm-hmm. wolves are if you're if you're in trade season now and you're listening to this and you go to trade machine that's fun i would go google 23 24 player salaries and go to basketball reference and just look at the 23 24 column look for guys that make around 10 to 15 million dollars that would be shake and kyle if you yep. put them in a package and then look at guys who don't have money the next year because that's another thing is like yeah and that's the thing bogdanovich is that's the, the he's it's a 19 million dollar yeah. chunk for next Can't year take that on and i should clarify too because i know people are probably screaming at me in the comment section i am not saying that a realistic trade would be right, kyle right. kyle yeah. and shake so sort of your spare part junk that you're trying to get rid of for this incredible three-point shooting score i know that it would have to be a three-way trade with some picks involved or whatever like i get that but conceptually, would you, because Kyle Anderson has been, even with the offensive struggles, like he is a guy on defense that you can lean on and he can guard mm-hmm. multiple different positions and he is a part of your defensive identity. Would you take a chunk of your defensive identity and go grab an offensive first player? I will also say this about, you know, you got to be a little careful falling too far into the trap 
of where Utah was at once Utah got to the playoffs, and it was like Rudy Gobert and a bunch of bad perimeter defenders. Mm-hmm. Now you have a Jade McDaniels, you have an Anthony Edwards. When those guys are locked in and and playing defense, those are two of the best perimeter defenders you're going to find. So I think it's it it's going to be different than Utah, no matter what. But, but if you're balancing out the what you just said, that's a great point. If you're balancing it out, if you take Kyle out of this equation, you literally just sit down with Ant and Jaden like you have to play even better defense. Yeah, you do. I mean, yeah, but. Here's the good news, fellas. Carl, you come in here too. You don't have to score as much because we just acquired this other guy who will give us 18 a night. So you don't have to always be double, triple teamed. You don't have to worry about taking your guy off the dribble. You don't have to worry about always hitting every corner three you take, Jaden. This guy's going to get us some more offense. You just play a little harder on defense. And again, if they trade anyone, Kyle specifically, it's going to leave a void. I just think that void is fillable. And then too... If Mike, like, I don't know, in September 23, if I was like, hey, Mike and Kyle are going to be terrible come January, you'd be like, well, they got to move them. Well, Mike's not been terrible. Kyle's been yeah. struggled, and we don't know why, but you do have to have at least one half of an eyeball, no pun intended, like out into the summer and think about, okay, well, if Kyle's not going to resign or we're not going to resign him and he's not playing well now, I'd think Kyle Anderson would be great on another team that has better spacing, but it's going to be interesting. These next four or five weeks, to me, again, to repeat myself, I would cycle through the guys again that you spent all summer chasing. You signed Troy Brown Jr., you signed Shake Milton. Give them another chance. Don't worry about grinding out wins. And if those guys just aren't proven players, you got to find proven players because you can't. The 19th best offense is going to get eliminated in the playoffs in the first round. That's just kind of always been the case. You got to yeah. have some average, if not better, offense come playoff time. And the Wolves do not have that right now. They have one superstar offensive player that I want to ask you a question about. We'll get to uh, we'll get to Ross's uh, random wolf of the week here shortly. A shout out to our friends, real quick, at Zero Res. So you know, it's a few days in here to the new year. You're probably trying to figure out what your life is going to be in 2024. How about starting the year off with a clean house? Clean air, clean air ducts, clean carpet. That's where Zero Res comes in. There's no better way to deep clean your house than with Zero Res, which has a 4.9 out of 5-star rating on Google with over 17,000 reviews. So here's what you do. You go to ZeroResMinnesota.com or call 952-Zero-Res, ask for the Score North special, and get three rooms Zero Resified starting at just $119. That's 952-Zero-Res or ZeroResMinnesota.com. Spell it forward or backwards, it spells the same, zero res. So Anthony Edwards, the last 10 games, his personal statistics are at an all-time peak in these Mm -hmm. last 10 games. 33 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 51% from the field, 41% from three-point range, and 84% from the free throw line. And his free throw attempts are way up. The last 10 games, he's nine free throws per game, and it's like 12 or 13 free throws per game the last five. He's just aggressively hunting for free throw attempts. He has decided he even called his shot like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, talking to reporters saying, you know what, I'm just going to be more aggressive and kind of take this on. Um, the team hasn't been playing as well, and I'm and I'm – and I guess my question to you is, do you think Anthony Edwards' sort of personal crusade – and and like I said, his numbers are efficient. They're excellent. 33-5-5 on 50-40-84. Like, inject that into my veins all day long. He is becoming a top-of-the-league superstar in front of our eyes. 
is that at the expense of the team's performance, do you think? Or do you think he's doing everything he can and everyone else is just taking a step back around him? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I I do. You watched last night. And again, the offensive raw box score numbers when you go from column to column are insane. He is 22. There are only a handful of players at 22 that were are doing or were doing what he's doing now. Uh, and the biggest thing, and this would probably be a good thing to just set the stage with, is that the offensive issues, this is like the Kyle Anderson conversation, nothing going on right now with this team is tied to one player. Just like when the defense was really good, I don't think it was all Rudy Gobert. Like Carl was really good in those advanced metrics, and the guards were you know, defending the perimeter. I don't think Ant is the reason that this team is dead last in turnovers. Now, with that said, in a 12-game stretch that I said they are dead last in turnovers, he has the third most turnovers in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he got five assists again last night, and he filled it up. But there was, and I don't know if it was just Britt Robson referred to it as levining, which is one of my favorite phrases. But fourth quarter, it was just, he's going to get his. And I don't know if he thinks that that's the best way to do it. Again, he's still young, even though we also grant him the maturity of being above his age. But there are just way too many possessions where I think he's just going one on three. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't trust his teammates or if, you know, this is the Finch thing. Like, if he looks out there and he's surrounded on a lineup with Kyle, Jordan McLaughlin, Rudy, and like Jaden or Nas, it's like, well, there's not a lot of shooters out there. So they're just going to pack the paint. Uh, I, he, the technical foul stuff, by the way, is just. It's so chicken and egg, or I don't know. I don't know. I'll defer to you because you've always been on top of that. He gets such a bad whistle. <laughs> like, even last night, he just gets fouled. It's a foul. It's easy. Finch called it out and stuff, too. But if we're going to get on Carl sometimes for the theatrics, like, you can't, you have to know now at this age and four years, and you can't just yeah. look at the ref and clap. You can't. That's just one free point, and they can't afford to lose this guy in a game or a playoff game, God forbid. So I don't know if it's one or the other to what you just asked, but I do think that he is seeing some adversity, which is what I love because I want this team to show if they're actually not the same weak, soft kind of mentality that they've been for every year since Kevin Garnett left. Do they have some chutzpah to them? But right now they're facing adversity and it seems like guys are just trying to fix it themselves rather than be like, okay, how do I, like, I, I, I've always thought the best way to use the Carl Ant thing is to let Carl be the starting pitcher and let him have a bunch of plays for run for him in the first quarter, get him 12, 14, 15 points, let him get off, mm-hmm. spread the floor a little more, and then let Ant be your closer. After that OKC game, and he had the quotes about, yeah, dude, if I touch the ball, I'm shooting it. He came out against Dallas, and he did that. He shot it, and he went like 15 points the first quarter. I don't know if that's great. I don't know if that's the winning formula. It's fun. He's awesome, but... I think he's designed and built for the second half and those knockout punches. I'd rather see other guys get a little more involved in the first half, especially the first quarter, like Carl and like Jaden. You, you know what it is? I, this happens with a lot of just young supernova star guards in NBA history where they get to a certain point or a certain age or a, a certain year in their career. Like, like early Michael Jordan comes in the league and it was like, Second or third year, and he realizes he's kind of felt the league out. You know, you come in, you're confident, but you don't know. You're, you're going from college to the NBA and like year two, year three, age 23, age 24, whatever it was for him. And he realizes <laughs> I am the man and I am the best player. I can do anything I want on the court and I'm going to flex that muscle. I am driving a Ferrari in a sea of Camrys and this is great. And I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to challenge everyone at the stoplight 
and I'm going to I'm going to drive at 130 miles an hour on the freeway. Like I'm just going to open up and score 37 points a game because I can. Not necessarily because that's the best thing for team cohesion. And then Phil Jackson comes along, you know, and hey, let's what if it was like 30 points a game and you're getting other guys involved and and everyone is sort of playing with this symbiotic relationship. Kobe Bryant. It took him a little longer because Shaquille O'Neal was the guy on that team for like six years, seven years. Shaq leaves and Kobe's like, oh, now I got the keys to the Ferrari. This is great. And he, and he flexes his scoring title muscle for like two or three years. And then they get serious again about, okay, let's get Pau Gasol in here. I feel like there's a little bit of, all right, Anthony Edwards, it's year four. He's kind of looking around the league. He's, he's felt the league out for a few years now. And he realizes, yeah, I can get 40. These other guys are getting 40, 45 points. I could do the same thing. And he's almost like flexing his selfish muscle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not even like, that's where, that's where I get stuck is I don't know that I can go as far as saying, hey, the last 10 games as he's flexing that muscle, 33, 5, 5, 51%, 41%, 84%, a ton of free throws, that that's like a bad thing for the Timberwolves because I, I don't have proof that it is. Uh, but I do think his top priority is, <laughs> this is fun. I'm 22. I'm running this league right now. And, you know, until Finch makes me stop or until something else makes me stop, I'm going to go drop 35 points. That's just going to be how I roll on a night-to-night basis. Since he came into the league in, what, November 2020, he's had six games with nine or more assists. They're 5-1 and one in those games. Uh, and all those games, if you go look at like the offensive metrics, it's like offensive rating that seems made up. Yeah, uh, he's lumped into the group of players like a Devin Booker, who is now playing more point, Shea Gilders Alexander, Luka Doncic. All those guys have evolved their games. They're still lethal scores. And for what Ant's doing at twenty two, he is as good as those guys were at twenty two at scoring. But what they learned, and most of them, a couple of years later into their careers, was. If I can get like six or seven assists, it not only makes my team better, but it does like make it even easier to score. And had that quote yeah. like a week ago where he was praising Carl for how easy it is for Carl to score. And it's like, all my stuff is so hard. And it's like, well, and we love you, but you might make it hard on yourself. Like if you just kick it to the corner, you, you know, throw more lobs to Rudy or just find other ways to get other guys involved. I mean, Come playoff time, there might be a coach that's just like, hey, we've watched enough tape on these guys. Let Ant get 40. Mm-hmm. And Ant's like, well, I can get 40. But it's like, yeah, but we've we've dialed it down to where if you get 40, your teammates, no one's going to have more than like 12 and we'll beat you. Uh, so I, I just think, I mean, he's we get it. He is one of the best 5 to 10 scorers in the league. He will be for as long as he's in the league. But I just think the assist numbers are the one I always look at when I look at a box score after a game is just how many times – did you find other players? Because if it makes, if Jaden can get 14 and Carl gets 24 and Rudy has 18 and Mike has 12, it just opens everything up for Ant. And last night was the kind of antithesis of that as I stutter. And uh, they just threw three guys at him and they said, make someone else beat us. And he didn't really do that. So I'm with you. I don't think it's selfish. I don't think he's all NBA hunting. I just think he sees his team struggling or, you know, uh, treading water, not necessarily swimming. And he's like, well, I think I can fix this. And that goes back to the coaching staff and be like, hey, we can fix this. It doesn't have to be one person. Yeah. Uh, let's Okay, let's dive into a couple comments here from oh, the Scornorth YouTube channel. Just 
just getting a temperature of the room of Wolves fans here. And we'll start with Morgan Haas, who chimes in. Excellent. Back-to-back losses. Now we can stop talking about how great we are and get down to the business on improving. I'm sorry, but if we if all we achieve this year is getting into the second round and getting bounced in the second round, this will be the season that could have been for the next 30 years. Hold this team to a higher standard of a contender. We kind of covered some of this. I guess I'll ask it again. Are we lowering the bar too much? Are we being sort of sucked into like 35 years of the Timberwolves losing Vortex if we take the way that they've started this season and say, you know what? Just win a playoff series and we'll all be happy. Are we compromising too much? I think about this way too much. This is, you just have put my therapist hat on. I don't know. Again, I I think the beauty of being a fan, and I have never hidden from that, is that you can kind of move the goalposts however you want. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're lowering the bar to of expectations. I mean, they failed expectations last year, even though they did something that the team never does, and that's make the playoffs. But the expectations when you make that type of move, you know, context aside, Carl and your side, they made the playoffs. They did not look very good in it, and they lost. I think winning a playoff series is a pretty big deal. It doesn't come with a banner, uh, but I, th- I think it's a real good benchmark, and it shows that this experiment, which, by the way, we can't forget that this experiment was heavily criticized, like it has no chance of working. And now you're 33 games through what has been a pretty healthy season, and it's working, at least defensively. The offensive stuff, again, we've said it a 100 times, like now you can kind of tweak, like can you make the offense work? Finch is an offensive guy, can you make the too big thing work? Can you get more out of your backcourt? Can you get more out of your bench? But I don't know. I, I almost just don't want to comment on it because like, I, I think if they were to win a, a playoff series and then go six in the second round against Denver or against Phoenix or something like that's pretty good. It would uh, feel like you're moving forward. It would, it would feel like you're, you're fighting, you're contending. Yeah. I think a, a first round playoff exit would be like, on par with some of the worst things this franchise has ever done. Because that would tell you, okay, we're two years into this. The books are going to get super complicated now, and we can't even get out of our own way. Then it would be a seismic change. But I don't know. I I think I still believe in the league, and this is why I like the Thunder are awesome, and they have proven me super wrong. And Chet Holmgren, local legend, is as good as they come for what – I mean, it's not his rookie year, but it is his rookie year – but I want to see them do it in the playoffs because there's not a lot of data historically that shows young teams or inexperienced teams just go to the finals. It's really like you kind of have to take your lumps. So if they make the second round, that would be a lump taken, a lesson learned, and some experience for still a bunch of guys on this roster that don't have a lot of experience. Uh, yeah. But good question. You know, I, I also hear from people because on Purple Daily, our our slogan for four years on that show, or our rallying cry, if you will, mm, is mm-hmm. before I die. Before we die, just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before I die. And 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 we had to I remember I'll never forget, like it was summer of the pandemic, 2020. And Score North had gone through a ton of changes, as did a bunch of different media companies. And it wound up being me, Judd and Declan doing Purple Daily on a daily basis. And we stepped in and some of the listeners were like, you guys are being like really critical of a team that went to the playoffs last year and won a game. They, they beat the Saints in the playoffs, and then they went and got smoked by San Francisco. Why are you guys so negative? Why are you guys so critical? And we came on the show the next day and said, it's because our commentary 
we, we hold the Vikings to a standard of the only thing they haven't done in the franchise's history is win the Super Bowl. They've been around for 60 years. They've won 30 division titles. They've they've gone to the Super Bowl. They go to the NFC Championship game every 8 to 10 years. They win 9, 10, 11 games every year. They, they have Hall of Famers everywhere. The only thing they haven't done is win a Super Bowl. And so, no, like, they won a first-round playoff game. We don't really care. Like, that's mm-hmm. that happens before. So we... You know, I think we, we just hold them to a different standard. Why don't why don't you treat the Timberwolves the same way, right? Why don't you why don't you say championship or bust for the Timberwolves? Well, it'd be like if your first kid was valedictorian of the high school class and then like flunked out second semester in college, and you're like, wait, wait a second, you had all this potential. Look at what you you built up years and years of A grades, and you were valedictorian, and then it just went to waste. Like the only thing you haven't done is go to college, and and on the Timberwolves side, it's like. We have a kid that has been like bumped back six times. Like they've been held back in the third grade and the fifth grade. And we're just like, if we could just get through high school, that would be great. Just get to the first semester of college. So, no, I don't hold the Timberwolves to the same championship standard as I hold the Vikings to yet. If they take a step forward this year, maybe they win a playoff series. Okay, now the bar of expectations starts to go up a little bit. But they've only won two playoff series in their 30 plus year history. So I, I just don't know how you can hold them to a championship standard this season. And maybe I'm just being soft. You have a history of working in radio. I, I would always scoff at like the promo or the entry when it was like 790 voice of the fan. Like, I don't really believe that there is a singular voice for a fan. And if you're when you tune into sports, which I've always said is a distraction, this is all just nothingness compared to what anyone listening to this deals with on a daily basis. What do you want from this team? If you cheer for all Minnesota sports teams and you will only smile when they win a title, that's cool. You might never smile. Uh, and probably no better time to interject this now than everything we're talking about now and historically. Man, I, I'm I'm only doing this and three pods a week and writing for all these years. I'm only doing it really because of like Ricky Rubio. Like, he brought a level of enjoyment to basketball that I had never really experienced. He played like, or I I played like him, in a sense, slower, less athletic, tight hamstrings. But I <laughs> he brought a level of fun that none of those teams were any good. Like, I, when you think Ricky Rubio, Minnesota Timberwolves, you don't think, oh, Western Conference Finals. You just think, he brought a joy to my TV for two to three hours every other night. And he retires today, right? And he had been really open about mental health and that stuff is really important to me as well. But that's something else you have to factor into your equation of all this is like, what do you want from it? I think this has been the most fun season ever. I love a good bit of adversity. I love to see when my favorite teams and movie stars get punched in the face a little bit and how do they respond to some bad moments. And this team normally hasn't done it. So for the first time in what 40% of the season, they lost back-to-back games. They were pretty good getting punched in the face and responding, and last night they weren't. Uh, mm-hmm. Will they lose three in a row? I don't know. But they if they make 8-8 eight and eight through this storm of 16 games, I will deem it a, going back to your grades, I'll deem it a gold star. I won't even give it a grade. I'll be like, you get a gold star, you get to continue going to school here, and then maybe they go beat up on some of the teams and show a learning lesson from last year. It's like, we're not going to lose yeah. to Portland anymore. We're not going to lose to Detroit. They're going to lose to Detroit for sure, but <laughs> they are, dude. They that, are. I'm already bracing for it. I'm just like that. Pistons Wolves <laughs> is the number one game I'm not going to watch because that game I will regress. I will be a bad person. I'll text you things. I'll be like, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. Luca Garza is going to have to have a team meeting. But isn't it funny how 
I mean, you you put these post game when, whenever they win these post game tweets out like, look how far we've come, right? Comparing the win totals for full full Timberwolves seasons to like how many wins they have in two months, but they just lost their second game in a row for the first time since March. Mm-hmm. And it's triggering, at least on this lifestyle podcast, existential discussions about like wolves fandom. Did we land on the moon? Like, should like they, they make lost a two games in a row? <laughs> uh, one more here, then we'll get to the wolf of the week. So Jared says, "You guys, speaking of Vikings comparisons, you guys talked today. This is from Tuesday about how some people are panicking about the Timberwolves, and it's not fair because they have a good record. Everyone, calm down." I agree. No one should be panicking, but it is hilarious for Phil Mackey of all people to tell others they can't have worries about the Wolves when he spent the entire 2022 NFL season complaining about the Vikings because they didn't pass his eye test. The Vikings were winning. Shouldn't he have just been happy? Um, I would say this. Okay. First of all, Jared coming in for the gotcha moment here. The reason that I and other people were poking heavily at the Vikings last year is because Their process looked nothing like any other 13-win process in the history of the NFL. That team had a negative point differential. That team was nowhere near like top five or top six in any meaningful offensive or defensive trend. They were just winning all these close games by the skin of their teeth. So what what I was saying for the 2022 Vikings is, boy, uh, there's a lot of evidence that shows you this is not actually a 13-win team. It's probably more like an eight-win team that got lucky. With this year's Timberwolves team, I think there's evidence to show you that they're not the number one team in the league or the number one team in the NBA, but there is evidence, as illustrated by their number one defensive rating for the first two months of the year, that they can hang their hat on something, right? If you are the number one defensive team Mm -hmm. in the NBA, traditionally, you go to the playoffs you go to the Western Conference Finals like 75% of the time. You win the championship like 20 or 22% of the time. So there's a, I think there's a huge difference between the two teams he's trying to compare. And you know what? I This is just getting old, and this is facial hair and my hairline going backwards faster than ant dribbles. Uh, gotcha moments. I think the first time you and I went on a <clears throat> virtual date when we were trying to figure out if we are going to pull this podcast off, I was like, do you really hate Kirk Cousins? Like, you know, like it's okay to sometimes just <laughs> – say something god forbid look at go back to anything i've ever said like you're just gonna be wrong right and that's you know that's why i was well everyone was the wolves were really good in november and early december and i was like you know what i don't feel super comfortable talking about finals percentage and stuff because i'd love to see this team deal with some adversity and now we're here and let's see how they handle it but uh i'm with you on the vikings wolves comparison i just i always come back to this and again ricky rubio announced his retirement today he is Outside of Kevin Garnett, I, if we did a favorite players of all time, I still think Ricky's probably ahead of Ant for me because it was at a yeah. different stage in my life and everything he's done since then. Ant is rapidly climbing to the top, but uh, it's great. And he he made basketball fun, and he never won. <laughs> he never won here. His his best yeah. success came elsewhere. But I hope I, he co- I hope he coaches. I hope he stays on an NBA bench. I could oh, see and, him going and, and like being part of like the Spanish league or something. Yeah, but. the Spanish. Like, I think his time in the United States is probably done. He has family over there, and you know, I yeah. think I, I I gotta go back and look this up, but I, I'm pretty sure like he lost his mom and like he's dealt with a lot of stuff too. And his post today announcing his retirement was really well thought out. And again, anyone that is comfortable talking about the whole, you know, it's okay to not be okay, is someone who I kind of ride with. But uh, again, when you think Ricky Rubio and Minnesota Timberwolves, you don't think of ten game stretches of winning a bunch of games or being top five in defensive 
rating, you think of flashy passes and, and bringing joy to what was a very not joyful franchise and arena. Uh, the steal he had where then he goes full court, looks up to for a left-handed layup, drops a pass to a Kevin Garnett who is sprinting at an old age and dunks over Blake Griffin. And then there's that viral moment of him yelling, Rubio yelling, Carlton Towns yelling. I don't know if they won that game, but I know that that was one of the coolest basketball moments I've ever had. So shout out to Ricky Rubio. Uh, change your face. Change your face, Alexi Shved. Somewhere out there, Alexi Shved is doing something. Smoking a cigarette and yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and and uh, wearing a tracksuit. So, all right, let's get our guy in here, uh, Ross Brendel, the producer extraordinaire is. and the leader of the Random Wolf of the Week. Ross, we've done six of these so far. Kyle has a five-to-one lead. I'm feeling confident, though, man. Like, I, shooters got to keep shooting, okay? And that's had a right little now. bit of a break, but so is Kyle. So we'll see. We're both this, well rested mentally. Yes, I think this one's a bit of a doozy. So, uh, well, good is luck it more of a both. doozy than Omri Caspi from the last time we did this? <laughs> so here, here's the six we've done: Omri Caspi, Bobby Jackson, Sebastian Telfair, Jalen Noel, JJ Barea, and Antoine Walker. And I do want you gentlemen to know there's a mild way to how I choose these, so it's not completely willy-nilly. It might be willy-nilly at the end, but I get to the time frame kind of thanks to a uh, what does willy-nilly little bit mean? of hell uh, all over the place. Yeah, yeah what's okay. the origin of willy-nilly? Like this. This is willy-nilly all over the place. Willy-nilly sounds hey, like I... a guy that David Kahn signed like four years, 89. I think... <laughs> was he the second guard they drafted? No, that was Johnny Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> willy-nilly, I think, was a, a backup performer with Willie Nelson, I believe. Okay. That's okay. so it was. Yeah. So yeah. so we get up to three strikes. So if we can shout out guesses whenever we want to. If one of us hits that third strike, the other person wins automatically. So there's some, there's some strategy in letting your opponent potentially guess himself out of the game. Um, I'm probably going to be aggressive here, Kyle. So just be ready. <laughs> I'm so petty. I like. I know I'm still killing you, five to one or whatever. But I hated losing. So make he's the, make, petty. Make the clues throw- for me. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's competitive he's petty and a loser. And throws in that he's killing you at the same time. <laughs> Are yeah, you ready, gentlemen? Let's get it. Yes, let's gentlemen, go. start your brains. Okay. This wolf of the week is fifty-three years old. Wow, okay, hold on. Hold on, wait, I'll do some math here. Yeah, do some math. I was told there would be no math. So he's pretty 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 53 years old. So we're talking like... Kyle getting out a legit notebook. He fills out a notebook, too. I love it. Okay. Did we lose Kyle? All right. Let's see. Oh, he's back. back. We got got him. We got him. All right, you didn't miss a clue. This wolf is 53 years old. Your second clue... This wolf of the week is six feet tall. You know, I had a guess after that first clue. No, you didn't. But I'm glad. It. I, but I'm glad I didn't because the guess was taller than six feet. Okay, I'm glad I threw that one in there. A six foot tall, fifty three year old. Oh, this is where it starts to get really. How fun, tall was boys. he when he played? Was he also six feet? <laughs> I'm, well, actually, I had this wrote as. Stood or stands, because in theory, he could be a little yeah. bit shorter right now. Yeah. But from the basketball reference page, six feet tall. Okay? Yeah. okay? Okay. This Wolf of the Week averaged just two points per game in the National Basketball Association. Okay. 
Is it Shane Heal? Oh, come on! Is it? It is! Shane Let's go! Heel. Oh, Shane Heal! What? Let's go! I didn't even get to any of the good clues! What? Oh, wow. Take your Omri Caspi, turn it sideways, Kyle. And I'm, I'm sorry, I am I'm currently on Google right now. Who is How? Shane Heal? Australian three-point <laughs> sniper, sniper in air quotes, from the mid to late 90s uh, NBA and Timberwolves. Shane How? Hill. Let's go. Wow. Right now. Good for you, Phil. What you wanna, the man. hell? Can I pull just a few Thank other? You. Thank uh, you, yeah, everybody. Please. Oh, Thank you. Oh, <laughs> studio audience. Oh, no flowers. No. Oh, that is. Shane Heal. No boomerangs, no fosters. No. Thank you. That's an early entrant into the Wolf of the Week Hall of Fame. Well done, Macadac. Wow. So, Shane, uh, yeah, uh, do you have his basketball reference profile up? I don't at the moment. Okay, I can pull, pull it up. Give us uh, the other yeah. clues. Well, some of the other clues, one centered around he spent most of his career, played 43 games for the Wolves, then stepped aside from the NBA, went back to Australia, mate. Played for the Spurs in six games, which actually upped his points per game average. He got more points there per game with the Spurs. He played for the Bullets. Yeah. But, mm. but most likely not the Bullets you would have been thinking of. No, not the that Washington would be the Brisbane Bullets. Bullets. Yeah. Okay. How about wow. this one? Many consider this Wolf of the Week's best international game to be against the 1996 version of the Dream mm. Team in a warm-up match for the Olympics where he was draining threes left and right. There you go. See, the the, the Brisbane clue also would have given it to me because I know he's, I think I think he's the only Australian player in Timberwolves history, isn't he? Uh, a quick Google search uh, for anyone that likes old or older genres of rock music. Shane Heal looks exactly like Dexter Holland from The Office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So uh, that would have been a good clue, but everything you keep saying is making this even more difficult. I Shane Heal did not make our list of top 200 Timberwolves, so... Uh, I don't think he did. Good pull, Ross. Phil also mentioned the three-point sniper. One of my clues to you would have been, if he was known for anything, you'd likely say he was a three-point specialist. I am... Macadam, yeah, I was, am in awe. That's he was a three-point specialist that averages two points a game. That's like my favorite stat of all time. <laughs> Dude, he made. So I, rem I just. I remember. I remember him having a game or two, and I just found it here. So he had. It was November of 1996. And by the way, I think this was like Kevin Harlan territory of Timberwolves. Okay. Gus Johnson, and he had a game against the Sonics on. Uh, and I know we got to go here. Uh, November 27th of 1996, where he hit five three-pointers, 15 points all on three-pointers, but it was a loss for the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves had a hell of a time with the Sonics back in the day. That, figure out the those Sonics. 15 points basically make up all of his career average. Pretty much. <laughs> that, that so game. just to close it out, Phil, you said go look up his basketball reference page. He played 43 games for the Wolves at age 26 back in 96-97. Then he just went back to Australia for what seems like six years, came over and played six games for the Spurs. <laughs> Ross, you could have just made up names, and you could have made up that. Thank that, you. The Thank fact you, that everybody. I'm going to say NBA rigged. I don't know how Phil just came up with a 53-year-old hey, member of the offspring, and he's like, Shane Heal. Was it the points? What got you to even yeah, think what about was that it? so quickly? Uh, also, here it was. You said... 
first of all, you said 53 years old, so I figured he came in the league in like the mid 90s somewhere. Sure, I, I put okay. like 93 to 97. Then you said six feet tall, some type so of guard, probably. So, right? so a, sh- a short, like a point guard or someone. <laughs> yeah, those are my <laughs> notes. Those look like GPS coordinates <laughs> to a treasure. And then, but then you said two points a game. So now, I mean, that really kind of narrows it to okay. We're talking mid 90s, likely mid 90s Timberwolves who were short and didn't do anything. <laughs> so. I I'm in awe. I really thought I really thought we were going to get to the final clue which was this wolf of the week can be associated with the foot or a bad guy in wrestling. Okay. Oh. <laughs> this might be my last flagrant house. I don't trust you guys. <laughs> Kyle, I don't that talk. was uh I was sketchy. Shout this, out is Shane I, this is how I felt after Omri Caspi. I was like, <laughs> somebody what? is going to send this link to Shane Heal, and it's going to be the highlight of his twenty twenty. Friend of the pod, Shane Heal, yeah, you are invited to come on and talk about all fourteen points you scored in the league. And if it was rigged, I would have waited one more clue, not not to give away the fact that it was rigged. So you know, I'm not going to get it a week from now. So <laughs> I can't believe good that. stuff, Ross. All right, Flagrant House, your boys. favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. <laughs>